0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online still remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, the easiest. It's the best way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag. Join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much, BetOnline, for bringing this podcast to the people. Well, well, you've arrived. How lovely. Ah, it's the Mikey Likes You podcast, a very special episode, special indeed. Why? Well, because it's a listener Q&A. The listeners, that's you, they send in questions. Answers come from the Mikey, that's me. (laughs) You see the cooperation? It's amazing. What a great process. No wonder this show is so wildly successful. Speaking of that, uh, my phony, sarcastic comment on success. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit the like button right now. Put in a positive comment. Make sure you hit the bell, subscribe, and you'll always know when I put out new content. Not only the show, but uh, exercise tutorials, other little mini-podcasts couple weeks after I do it I'll give you the Patreon only um, bonus pods you know the patrons get them in advance you get them a little bit later if you want to get them on time if you want to be one of the cool kids why don't you head on over to my Patreon I'll put a link in the show notes so it'll be easy for you you could do it as you watch and listen and if you listen to the audio only podcast no biggie You get the dulcet tones of my voice. I understand you get to miss out on seeing me, which is disappointing, I'm sure. You really don't know what you're missing out on. But if you're listening to the audio-only podcast, go ahead and put in a nice comment, hit the stars, do whatever you can. What we have to do is beat the machines, okay? They have their little games and systems. We'll play it better, okay? It's symbiotic. You and me. All right. Like I said, listener question and answer. You can always submit questions at, um, at Mike Catherwood, which is my Instagram profile, or at MikeyLikesYou one, the number one. Um, I'll do my best. And you know, bringing that up, people send me a lot of DMs. Now that I have like uh, a lot of followers, you know, I'm not in comparison to say like Logan Paul, but I have a lot of followers compared to like the average Joe. And uh, I never really anticipated that, but I now have so many messages and and stuff that go to my DMs that now I can't can't really keep up. So if you did send me something, and a lot of people send me really sincere, very sweet things. And it absolutely, I, I mean this sincerely, it means a lot to me. But sometimes I'll scroll through and I'll see something that was sent like six months ago and it's some dude or some gal talking about sobriety and something really meaningful and I I feel horrible because I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry lady or I'm so sorry dude that I took this long. But I just wanna say that it's overwhelming. So if you did send me something and um, I haven't responded, just know that I'm not big timing you. It's just become kind of uncontrollable and I'm never gonna be a guy, I don't care if I become Fucking Joe Rogan. I'm not the guy who's gonna like get an assistant to do that stuff, but it's 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 kind of becoming controllable. And on top of that, with just real people, there's also these thousands, thousands of Russian chicks and uh, and 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 like um, insane kind of exotic European girls that aren't, totally aren't robots that are sending me messages all day that say, like, you want me happy sex time. Um, and of course, those are not bots. Those are just women all over the world who are desperate for my, 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 dick, my dick. You get my point. I'm just, I wanna say that to kind of let you know, like, rest assured, I'm not uh, big time anybody. I'm not avoiding people. I'm not ignoring people. All right, let's get right to the questions, so you don't have to suffer through my blathering any longer. Trey thinks, "Hey, Trey, what's up, dude? How do you? How did you know it was the right time to propose to Bianca? I'm planning on proposing to my girlfriend later this year, and I was just curious how much thought you put into this process." Okay, um, first off, congratulations, dude. Don't let your girlfriend watch this because it'll ruin the surprise. Um, Okay, first question, how did you know it was the right time? I didn't know it was the right time. I still didn't know. I still don't know if it was right. And I'm not, I'm not saying I regret it. I love my wife so much. I love every moment, even the hard times. I love. I, I can't imagine my life without Bianca. But I don't know. And uh, I certainly don't have it all figured out. In fact, I get really upset at the idea of self self-help in general because the only thing that I've come to realize, the only thing that I could say with any certainty is that you never know. There's there's very few um, certainties. And uh, the more that I've been able to get comfortable with the fact that I'm going to go to my grave with a bunch of questions, the easier it's been. Because I, I, I don't know if it was right. I don't know if it was wrong. I but I do know that I, I... I, I I believe very deeply in my heart was the right thing to do. And I couldn't imagine my life without my wife. And, um, and 10, 10 and a half years in to marriage with my wife, it, it only keeps getting better. Even though there's been, like the honeymoon phase ends, as you can expect with any relationship, the honeymoon moon phase absolutely ends. And there's been real struggle real tough times. Um, Emotionally, giving birth to our daughter, having to raise our daughter, like kids add a ton. Both of us being in the entertainment industry has added ridiculous amounts of stress to our lives. Because there's no stability to regardless of how successful you are. Um, COVID and moving to Texas. And I mean, there's just been a lot, but throughout throughout all of it, it's only made me love her more. But, uh, you never know, man. I, I, I will tell you, that's the only thing I can tell you with any certainty is that you don't know and you're never going to know, but I, I, I do kind of know you Trey, you know, as a, as a patron, as a patron on my Patreon. Um, and you're, you're pretty squared away dude and you other squared away guys out there, gals out there, learn to listen to your gut. Cause even when you, you succumb to your kind of immediate instinctive desires, your gut feeling or your gut knowledge will be telling you as you're doing it that this, maybe this probably isn't right. This chick's so hot. I'm going to, I'm going to bang this chick. She's so freaking hot. And my, your animal brain is like, but somewhere, someplace, I'm guaranteeing like when it ends up being a really bad situation, she's psycho or you know, what, whatever, right? Somewhere inside of you, the whole time you're going like, oh, this is a bad idea. Okay, I'll give you a very perfect example. And I, and I want to make this very clear. I have zero negative feelings to my ex-wife. She's a great person, and um, I'm not gonna give you that line of BS that Hollywood kind of contrives, they're like, "Oh, we'll, we'll remain friends forever. No, I mean, I hardly ever talked to her. I called her, or texted her the other day because um, my dog died, and it was a dog that we actually had back when we were still together, so I reached out, and we we're always cordial, and I like her, and there, there, I have nothing negative to say about her, there's nothing about her as a person that led to our marriage uh, not working out. But we were absolutely not right for each other, right? She's super, super beautiful, like really attractive. Um, and she's very nice. And my family liked her and everything, but even as I was walking out the aisle, even as I was at my honeymoon, even as I was proposing to her, oh, you you name it, there was something inside me It was like, I don't know, man. There's not something not. It's not right. It and there's just something off, right? It was my gut feeling. And I just lied to myself. I tried to suppress that gut instinct, excuse me, that, that, that kind of gut feeling because my animal side was saying, like, everything seems right. She's super hot. You know, I think the, the, the magnetism was there. Um, she's really nice. I can, I, I, I trust her. The whole, you know, everything was there, like, for my, my, my reptilian brain to lead me down that path. But there was something inside me that was still uncertain. And I kept pushing that feeling down. So if you don't have any of those feelings, you can feel pretty solid in doing it. And the amount of thought that I put into it was pretty pretty hefty. You know, I, I definitely put a lot of thought into it. Now, I will say this, I didn't have to put as much thought into it, and there was no instinctive or internal kind of malaise for me to deal with. When I married Bianca, I was older. I was a little wiser. I knew myself better. She was older. You know, we were in our mid to late thirties when we got married makes a big difference because I wasn't impulsive as impulsive, (laughs) you know? So I say if, You know, left brain and right brain are both telling you to do this, and and you can't really imagine life being better without her. Because, make no mistake, you're going to have struggles. There's going to no matter even the perfect partner is going to create. There's going to be sometimes when it's tough. But even when it's tough, if you can still see that it's better to have her with you than without you. Um, that's, that's kind of like the best way to judge, in my opinion. Gravity moves me. How often should you up the weight when progressively overloading weekly, monthly, same for when deloading, thanks. Um, as far as progressive overload, look, you wanna to try to add weight to the bar every time you train. Um, now the, the frequency to which you're training the same movement patterns should dictate how much you're adding. Meaning if you're only squatting once a week or deadlifting once a week, you can feel comfortable adding five to 10 pounds. And and if you could safely do that, go ahead and do it. If you're training super frequently, if you're squatting three times a week, it's pretty hard. You're you're not going to be able to add that amount of weight. You're going to burn out pretty quick. Um, so gauge it by how frequently you're training, but always try to be progress progressing either in reps or in weight every single time you train that, that movement pattern or that body part. Um, now with your question on deloading, I'm, I'm assuming you're asking, how do you know when there's no right or wrong answer, but with great coaches out there and from just what I've gleaned in my own personal life and from what I've seen from other people just that I hang out with or that I, that I run with that are really successful when it comes to performance or their physique. Three on one off works great. Every fourth week is where you deload. Okay. Um, and just continuing to train during that off week as opposed to just not, training at all but training with just considerably less weight a lot of times a great marker is 50% and you will feel like you're wasting your time you're really not you're really not um you know I, uh, currently i'll give you uh my current example of of a training program or my my layout for what i've been doing for a deadlift for instance i'm deadlifting once a week with an entire workout devoted to variations of deadlift on top of like leading off with the conventional deadlift. And I'll start off the conventional deadlift with um, week one, 65%, then week two, 70, then week three, 75% all at three reps, you know, three, three sets of, um, of singles, right? Leading up, I'll, I'll build up to I'll do 10 total sets, but three that really matter, right? And that's at 65% week one, 70%, week two, 75% week three, then week four deload and go at like 50%, staying at the same reps, same sets, the whole thing. Week four, come back and it's 80, then 85, excuse me, sorry, week five, come back, 80, 85, week six, 90, week seven then deload week eight. Okay. Then come back for week nine. And that's what I like to call peak week, where I'll go 95% to see how I feel and then try in week 10 for new PRs. Okay. So that's like a really basic. There's nothing fancy about that, but that's a, that's what I've been doing. And you can glean off of that, what you like extreme, athletes, strength athletes, power lifters, Olympic lifters, they may de- be deloading way more frequently if they're, you know, getting really close to training and their training blocks are, 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 they're training with massive weights, you know, really close to their one rep max. And they're just, when you get it, you know, when you're squatting 750 pounds plus, right. Um, the, the margins of error and the margins of growth are so thin that they may be just hitting it so hard and that they'll deload every couple weeks two weeks or whatnot but then there's also these people who are training in these really the, the really rarefied air that they're just staying at such suboptimal weights but just progressing slowly and doing a lot of ancillary work a lot of supportive work that they don't have to deload for quite a long time it all kind of is relative to a your training history your ability are you on drugs? How much drugs, if, if that? Um, you know? So there's a lot of things that come into play. I think the regular healthy person, the three on, one off is a great marker to go to. But again, getting back to progressive overloading, progressive overloading means that. You're constantly doing this. And that means every time you come into the gym, you're gonna be able to do a little bit better. Uh, oh, Nikki Taranta. So don't invite me to deadlift because you don't wanna get shown up. I get it. Yes, yes, Nick, that's what happened. I'll be very honest with you. I didn't invite you to come deadlift with me because I didn't want to detract from my performance by having to constantly take all the plates off for you to do your sets, to to take 70% of the weight that I use to get it to a bar that you're capable of picking up. Um, and and you know, that I just, it's so tiring to constantly like, The three, four, 45s on each side that I have to take off every set. uh, Takes a lot out of me. Legs Mahoney wants to know, pepperoni or salami? Well, greatly depends. If I'm just gonna put some cured meat in my mouth, it's salami. If I'm going to put it on something, it just might very well be pepperoni. Okay, so that that mean that's, if I'm gonna add it to a pizza or perhaps a, I have a nice cheese that I'm gonna be serving on a charcuterie, pepperoni might be nice. But if I'm just gonna eat a piece of cured meat, salami for sure, a nice Genoa, ooh, come on now. Deadlifts or You Lives? Say S Games 9. Well, both. Like deadlift because You Live. Be Where's that guy's Oscar? A lot of people ask, like, where does You Live come from? Well, it became a thing on Loveline. It became a thing on my time hosting Line with Drew. Uh, like Adam and Drew had Mahalo, we had, uh, we had You Live. And it came kind of by accident. Because Boogie Nights is, in my opinion, as close as you're getting to a perfect film. It's, an, it's a perfect film. It's beautiful. Boogie Nights is an amazing film. If you haven't seen Boogie Nights. The 1998 Paul Thomas Anderson uh, tour de force uh, you're we're missing out. the The comedic parts are laugh-out-loud funny. The, the the dramatic parts are tear-jerking and so heartfelt. It's a, it's a really beautiful film, right? But there's a scene at the end because this is about the porn industry in the 70s and 80s. There's a scene at the end when they've transferred over to VHS and the porn industry has really gone downhill in many people's eyes. The new up-and-coming star who's taking over for Dirk Diggler, played by Mark Wahlberg, is this guy Johnny Wad. That's his character name. <coughs> or Johnny Doe, because Johnny Wad was John Holmes in real life. The real dude. John Holmes played this character, Johnny Wad. So it was kind of based off him, John Doe, right? And he's filming this scene. It's preposterous. It's insane what's happening on camera. He's getting a blowjob, and he's got a gun pointing at the girl's head while he's receiving said fellatio. And he's deciding if the quality of the blow job is good enough, he will let her live. If it's not, I guess he's going to shoot her. It's fucking crazy, right? And he's receiving this blow job and he's like, yes, bitch, oh, yeah, you live, oh, you live, yeah! And I just laugh out loud so much when I see it. And so I came into the show one night after watching Boogie Nights for like the 5,000th time. And I just went, yeah! And Drew said, what is that? So I explained it to him and then Anderson, The producer and and board operator, he went online and showed Drew the clip and we thought it was hysterical. So from then on out, the listeners picked it up, the callers were like, oh yeah, you live. And that's where that came from. Geez, what's with these or questions? This or that? Ali, Q, Dub, spoon or fork? Uh, Well, just like with salami or pepperoni, it depends. But here's another thing, the spork, is so gangster and so underrated. Everyone's like thinks of the spork as like just you know the the high school cafeteria like real low grade thing. But take take a moment now and think about how dope a spork is. If I had some nice tender fillet, I bam it, and, and then I could scoop my ice cream in the same with the same utensil. Come on now, sporks. Jose, 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 two, two, one. I know it's not optimal, but would you be willing to work with a tier one client for just a month? I have a pretty solid program, but would like to get your take and tweaks. Yeah, I would. DM me, dude. Jose, 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 two, two, one. DM me. We'll we'll figure something out. Arthur James. If someone is moving on the path to change themselves, what is one book you would recommend? Really good question. Off the top of my head, I would say definitely Edmund Morris, I believe the gentleman's name was, wrote a trilogy of books that were essentially kind of historically accurate, very kind of approved Teddy Roosevelt biographies. The Teddy Roosevelt trilogy. Um, and I recommend those with great passion. It changed me in, in many ways. I, I, am all, I am definitely a, a contemporary history geek. Um, you know, I, when I say history geek, I, I, the last couple hundred years, I, I really am fascinated by it, especially the 20th century. And, and look, and I'll be quite honest, uh, especially American history. I, I, I am geeky about it. Um, I just think like this: they, our country's fucking insane, and its history is insane. <laughs> and I'm very nationalistic. Uh, I, I know that's become a bad word, um, but you really got to put white in front of it to make it. Because I, I, I'm 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 a, a genuine nationalist. Like look it up in the book. I I love my country. I love America. I love it. I'm so proud when I travel to say that I'm an American. I am not. Blind to the many, many errors and flaws that this country um, has has to offer, um, but I also uh, am perfectly capable of seeing those and and recognizing the also the, the just the immense upside and the immense beauty to this country. But it's crazy. It, America's crazy, you know. So check those out because not only will you get this nice little uh, crazy. Boot camp up in—it's a crash course in in kind of the turn of the turn of the 20th century history. But Teddy Roosevelt's an insane guy. It like crazy how ambitious and how tough and how resilient. And he was And the thing about Teddy Roosevelt that I always found so amazing is that he didn't have to do anything. He was filthy stinking rich. He grew up with a massive silver spoon in his mouth, and he could have skated by being a complete pile and still would have been very successful by all kind of external met- metrics that most people have, especially in this country. He would have been rich, he would have had lots of power and influence in the country, but he didn't, he didn't have to do, but he, even knowing that, he was a wildly decorated American soldier, he was a firefighter, he became a fire chief, he was a, a, a local, Politician, He was a state politician. He graduated to becoming the president of the United States of America and he would travel the world hunting the most gnarly, most dangerous animals. He was, he was this really uh, quite a powerful man. And there's a lot in those books that I think can be motivational and inspirational to, to a young man. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote a book called Resilience. Um, uh, self-reliance, I'm sorry, Self-reliance That by Ralph Waldo Emerson that I think is a big one. Uh, Band of Brothers um, is, a, is a book that really made me take, put, put things into perspective um, in, a, in, a, in a really powerful way. Reading Band of Brothers and listening to the stories of these young men who are f- staring death in the face and still figuring out a way through their own unity and then also through their own courage to, to to keep pushing forward being fully aware of the danger that was in front of them and just being able to to know that they were going to do it anyway that's real courage you know and so things like talking to a girl that you know asking a girl out or or asking for a raise or all these things in my life that I thought were overwhelming because of how scary they were they quickly became really trivial and inconsequential right when i think about a guy who's, who storms the beach on normandy or who you know is going to go into to fallujah you know when when you know that like there's there there's a really good chance that death is staring you right in the face this guy <laughs> you get you get a lot of perspective um, and then also look, maybe it's macho male ego bullshit, but it just makes you feel like it, it gives you goosebumps, um, to, to, hear of great courage. Jack London's Call of the Wild, um, off the top of my head, those are, those are, uh, Carl, Dale Carnegie wrote a book. It's like how to make friends and become socially powerful, something like that. I, I, I forget, but it, Dale Carnegie wrote it. It's like how to make friends and how to be powerful or something like that, um, It's a little stilted and on the nose, but it's also, there's a lot there that um, a genuinely powerful person giving uh, giving you his insight. So those are some that I would throw out there. Hey fellows, look, confidence in the bedroom is really important and I understand it can be embarrassing to try to deal with that if you identify a problem. Well, Blue Chew is here to save the day. Blue Chew, it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. All right? You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is super simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved... You'll receive your prescription within days. The best part is you don't have to deal with the embarrassment of waiting in line at the pharmacy, going to the doctor's office. Zero awkward conversations. It all comes right to your door, and you get to avoid all the stuff that I know you don't want to deal with. Listen, the bedroom. When it goes down, you want to be able to perform. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? So get yourself some Blue chew. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Mikey. Receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. Gosh darn it, do we ever thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Remember to use that promo code Mikey at checkout. Oh boy, I'm going to tell you about a spoon. A magic spoon. Growing up, cereal, it was one of the best parts of being a child, right? Getting a bowl of cereal, some ice cold milk. Mm, It made your whole day. Well, when we're all trying to eat better as adults, why not have the number one ace up your sleeve right in your pantry at all times? And that is Magic Spoon Cereal. It tastes as good, if not better, than all of your favorite childhood cereals. But you don't get any of the junk. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's just a bunch of regular old sugary cereal with some protein powder added in. Oh, no, 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 no zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories per serving, and it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Amazing flavors. I've tried every one, and they're all delicious. Peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple, waffle, fruity, cocoa. Oh, man, all of them are delicious, and like I said, they all taste as good as your favorite childhood cereals. So head on over to magicspoon.com slash Mikey, grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your entire order. Magic Spoon's so confident in this product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund all your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey, and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you so much, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this here episode. The guys at Mind Pump, this is from Galzagal. The guys at Mind Pump recommend switching up your resistance training routine every few months to stimulate the body. Is that just because they sell all different programs, or is it true? And if so, and I'm doing a full body three day a week routine, what should I switch to? Thanks, Mike Gavin from Brisbane, Australia. Ah, mate. Um, Okay. First off, I don't think I I like the guys at mind pump very much. Uh, I don't think they're shills and I don't think that they're saying that in any way, I don't think any of the advice they give out through their podcasts is strictly for marketing purposes. They're not, they're they're not those types of guys. I I was lucky enough to be a guest on their show and then I've interviewed Sal uh, a couple times after that and, and just had a chance to chit chat, you know, off the air. They're not that, those types of guys. They're stand-up dudes. They're really good dudes. And that's why, Not on top of that, they, they know what they're talking about, and I always recommend people, mind-pump dudes, they, grade A. Um, I, I'm not necessarily in agreement that you have to change things up in order to stimulate things. What I do think they're saying, which is absolutely true, at least, look, in my opinion, you know, a lot of the, the stuff in fitness and health um, I've said this before. The only thing we know is that we don't really know. A lot of it's just trial and error. A lot of it is just like we can say that these things are undeniably true. This these core tenets. Outside of that, it's really is so um, unique and individual to each person, right? Because again, I'll get back to you. Uh, are you me? Are you forty-three years old and you've been training really hard for twenty? two years, 23 years, something like that? Are you someone who's never picked up a weight and you're just getting into weight training? Are you someone who's using lots of anabolic agents? Are you someone who's drug free? Are you 21? Are you 71? I mean, there's so many factors. Are you a man or are you a woman? Um, you, a lot of those things come into play with pretty much everything when it comes to uh, health and fitness. But what I do, out of that little write up, what I will say is that you don't necessarily have to change things up in a radical fashion. What I do think is that programming has to be long-term. If you're gonna spend eight weeks training for strength, it is very reasonable that you spend another eight weeks training for hypertrophy, dropping the weights a little bit, but upping the rep range, Um, maybe pre-exhausting, including things like leg leg extension before you squat. Is that something that's really smart if you're going for pure strength? No, it's a terrible idea. You're gonna take away from your performance in the squat, which is what you're trying to build strength on, but it's absolutely gonna help you build bigger quads. Okay, maybe you go move away from the squat for eight weeks because it's not necessarily the best when it comes to pure hypertrophy, when it comes to just tension on those quad muscles and things like that. So I don't think... <clears throat> There has to be a radical shift, you know, where people are like, I'm gonna do CrossFit for two months and then I'm gonna do, uh, I'm gonna focus only on Olympic lifting and then I'm gonna do boxing and I'm just gonna do cardio for days to get my conditioning up. That, I, I think that that is really misguided. What I do think, and, and I, I'm, I'm assuming that's what the guys at Mind Pump are getting at, is that after a, a good amount of time, usually around two months, three months, eight to 12 weeks, you wanna shift your intention. Um, the rep ranges and the weights are gonna change. Maybe the frequency in how, you, in how much you train is going to change a little bit. Um, and I do think that's a good idea because if you're training for pure strength, even the greatest power lifters in the world have strength blocks, or excuse me, have blocks of hypertrophy, have blocks of uh, focusing more on ancillary movements, supportive movements. Uh, they have blocks where they're just working on their big three, you know, when they get closer to competition, you know what I'm saying? So there is, there's going to be change and it's alteration, but it's an alteration off of kind of core fundamentals, you know? So when they say change things up to stimulate, I don't think that they mean radical changes. There has to be at least a, a change, a slight change in the gearing or your intention when you're going into the gym, which I do think is a, is a, is a wise choice. And I, I, I do it in my life. Um, although like I said there's no radical changes, I will spend 8 to 12 weeks of training in like 3 to 5 reps with some some background uh, supportive work in in a hypertrophy rep range of lighter weights. But after that I'm 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 not doing really anything even close to 90, 95% of my one rep max. I'm doing things in the 75 to 85 one rep max. And I'm doing things in 10, and for legs, like 20 some reps, you know? And that's more geared towards, like that we've talked about on other podcasts, the difference between um, myoplasmic and sarcoplasmic uh, muscle, muscle growth. I'm, I'm pumping more fluids and things into the muscle as opposed to just looking at pure force production. Uh technique, technique. Ben Arndt. Ben Arndt what? Mike Catherwood, would you and Adam Carolla ever do a podcast episode together? I don't believe it's ever been done and it would be legendary. Uh, would I? Hell, hell yeah. I, I worship at the altar that is the ace man. <clears throat> um, you know, like, for those of you who aren't familiar with my life prior to, like, the podcast world, and I'm, I'm, it always shocks me when there are those people, like when people are like, I didn't know you were Psycho Mike, or I didn't even know you were ever on the radio. I didn't know you were on TV, whatever. Um, because I can't imagine people like getting into me if they weren't prior, they didn't know me prior, you know? Uh, but, you know, I hosted a show called Loveline. And it was a nationwide advice show with Dr. Drew. And prior to me hosting it, Adam Carolla hosted it, and I grew up. Literally, I grew up in Southern California, so I grew up listening to Adam and Drew, and it was like at a really young age. Prior to Adam, there was this guy, Poor Man, and I would I would hide. I had that old Sony Walkman, bright yellow. And these shitty it had like like a knob to tune like old school radio. Walkman, and I would hide it in my covers at night when I shouldn't be listening to Love Line. It was probably too late for me to be awake, and I'm in sixth grade, and I'm I would listen, and I was always blown away at how funny and how clever Adam was, how 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 sharp he was, because, and the thing I always loved about Adam and guys like him is that he wasn't trying to show you that he's the smartest guy in the room. He was a regular dude. He liked boxing, and he was a he was a he he was a, he worked construction, and he knew about you know U bolts and and, and Lyman dykes, Lyman and and swinging hammers and working on cars. He liked sports cars. He liked uh, turning wrenches and stuff. He was like a guy. He's a dude's dude, but he was also so freaking sharp and so smart, and he had such an acerbic wit. And uh, so I I would do anything he wanted me to do with him. We've definitely been on the radio together a bunch, but I've never. Uh, We've been on podcasts together. It's just he was always a guest on on my stuff, you know? It was either me, Drew, and, and Adam would come on to promote something. He, he's been on the radio with me a bunch. A bunch. But I've never done his podcast, and I certainly, I absolutely would. And uh, yeah, I, I also, I agree. I think it would be great, you know? Um, Z Marshall 08. Hey, I know that dude. I do jujitsu with that guy. He's very good at jujitsu. Very, uh. Efficient movements, man. Sock, shoes, sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Um, I believe Mr. Marshall's referring to deadlifting. Look, you don't want any distance between your feet and the ground when you're deadlifting. It's completely different than Olympic lifting or high bar squatting when you want an elevated heel. Deadlifting in your Nikes, in your Air Force Ones, in your Air Max, in your running shoes, in your new is a terrible idea. And when you see all these, what you think are kooks taking their shoes off to deadlift, it is a really smart idea. I deadlift barefoot. Sometimes if I'm not sure like the environment I'm in, if they're cool with me being barefoot, I'll wear socks. If worst comes to worse, I'm gonna wear Converse, Chuck Taylor, something really flat, wrestling shoes are a great option. But what I'm saying is like, you wanna keep as little space between your feet and the ground as possible. And you definitely don't want any elevation at any point, which would be great for something like a basketball shoe or a running shoe. Those are terrible ideas. So outside, moving away from any elevation from any part of your foot. You want to get maximum level of grip and touch from your foot to the ground. Now, the best option would be barefoot. The next best option would be uh, socks or some type of shoe that's just so flat and thin. A wrestling shoe is a great option. Um, yeah, there you go. And if you like, if you have dope socks on, socks. Yeah. But no shoes. If you if you have the choice, no shoes. And if you're gonna wear shoes, Converse Chuck Taylors. Um, yeah, wrestling shoes something like that what do you think about Wendler's 5-1 programming from Jay Samtenko I love it Jim Wendler's a genius uh, I think Jim Wendler is also he's like he's a he's a solid dude never had the luxury of interviewing him I had met him once in like at this fitness convention I think it was like the Arnold or something I don't know but I, I met the guy he would absolutely not remember. It was a very passing. I was like, "Hey, I'm a big fan." He said, was really nice. Um, I, I always recommend the 531 programming uh, for those of you not familiar with it. Jim Wendler developed 531 a long time ago, and it's it's very tried and true. Um, you're good doing a week. Uh, typically, the most 531 programs are four days a week. Um, one day devoted to the squat, one day devoted to the bench, one day devoted to the overhead press, and one day devoted to the deadlift with uh, supportive exercises on each of those given days. One week would be a you're working with sets of five, next week sets of three, and the following week it's sets of five, three, and a set of five, a set of three, and then a set of one where you're really pushing that weight up to the top, testing yourself. Deload, and then repeat. It's very practical, very, very good, and then also, there's a lot of variety um, with five three one. There's so many different variations. Ones that are geared towards pure powerlifting. Some that are geared more towards bodybuilding hypertrophy. Others that are for like athletic performance. There's three day a week options. It's I, I like the idea of five three one in that it has kind of its bare bones tenets, but you can work around and make it. It's flexible enough to um, fit whatever your lifestyle and whatever your goals are. So I definitely recommend it. I do think uh, it's it's definitely intermediate level. I wouldn't want someone to go right into 5-3-1. Um, not because I think it would be physically too taxing. What I do think is, is like, it's maybe a little bit too technical for someone who's just getting into the iron game. Um, st- I would say if you're just getting into it, the 5x5 five five program's a great option. But if you are an intermediate lifter, I, I think you can, Graduate uh, the five three one is a great great program to get into. When should you start incorporating a belt for squats and deadlifts? John Stockdale wants to know. Um, well, do you mean in general, like it? When should you start wearing a belt, or when during a workout? Because if it's question number one, if it's the latter, not the former, uh, you should start now. If you're squatting and deadlifting, wear a belt. People talk about this idea that you're gonna. You're, you're preventing the kind of supportive muscles of the, of the trunk from developing if you're not wearing a belt. I, I push back on that because what a lot of people don't understand is like the entire purpose of the belt is to give you the ability to press against it and create 360 degrees of pressure. You're not pushing your belly out like you're making uh, one of those before and after Instagram model. Like the chick Instagram model thing nowadays is like, Instagram is not real. We all have imperfections. And then they'll just take a picture where they're clearly fucking pushing their belly out. And then after that, they're like, this is what Instagram shows you. And it's like them shred, it's like, stop it. Okay, hot chick. I know you're trying to get uh, brownie points with like the regular gals, suck my dick. But a belt, you know, the pressure uh, of the belt tightening around you, it's like a mock, what do they call corset, right? it's tightening around you, but it's not there to create the tension in and of itself. It goes around you. And if you actually make it too tight, it, it makes the belt not useful. So you want to have a little bit of space. You should be able to kind of push your fingers in. And then when you're bracing, you feel yourself push against every angle of the belt, rears, lateral, and then in front to create real bracing. And it actually enhances your ability to brace and prepare for squats and deadlifts. So, uh, I, I do think if you're going to get into serious weightlifting, which everyone should don't do it if you're not going to do it right. Um, wear, wear a belt. Now I don't wear a belt and I, and I, I have gleaned this from really good trainers. Okay. And, 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 and athletes that I admire and think I don't, open up with wearing them. I usually get about five sets in. I warm up. I'll do exercises prior to like my main lift. And then I will do five or six sets. I I deadlifted this morning, warmed up. I did like some uh, safety bar squats. I did some uh, uh, back extensions, you know, and um, some dynamic stretching. And then I did one set of deadlifts, two sets, three, about three or four sets. Then when I got to a point where it was heavy, I then I throw on my belt. And for the last, you know, my training sets, I will wear my belt. But if I'm deadlifting or squatting, um, I'm, I'm always I'm always gonna use a belt, you know? So, uh, I, and I recommend you do too. And, and getting used to it, not everybody has to wear like a true powerlifting belt. The real difference is, is that you know, a powerlifting belt is all the way around, like it's the same uh, width all the way around and some are kind of curved and ergonomic and a powerlifting belts all the way around. Um, I don't think you have to graduate right to that because they can feel very cumbersome and bulky and they can kind of, it takes some getting used to, but definitely start with something that you feel comfortable in. Let's see here. Uh, did I answer all these questions? I think I did. Oh my God, I answered them all. All right, well, good questions. Good questions indeed. Next week, I'm going to address science as a whole and how it can be really misleading. I'm a big science guy. I worship at the altar of real scientists and what they're able to do for us, the lay people. Um, I am not trying to poke holes in the idea of science. What I am going to do is try to expose to you that what is presented as scientific fact, especially in this world of health and fitness and wellness and all that is so often insane bullshit. And I mean, really insane bullshit. Why? Because that dirty, dark, nasty, rancid force of monetization of of industry sneaks in. And so when there's a way that you can manipulate a study to show that this protein powder actually makes you gain more muscle and lose more fat, they are going to present that science to you. When there is science that shows you that a certain diet is better than another diet, I am going to try to break that down and just give you a little bit more of an objective eye when looking at things that are presented as science. They are blinding you with science. Science! Thomas Dolby, underrated artist. Anyway, check out my Patreon if you're interested. For those of you that already have, especially my top tier clients, thank you, thank you so much. It means so much to me that people would do that, but uh, I will put a link in the show notes and you can check it out if you're interested. There's three tiers of patronage, with the top tier being that I will give, be your trainer you know, virtually. Um, custom made for you, training programs, dieting, habit forming, and interaction all the time where you get the accountability of having to check in with me and vice versa. Um, That's at the top tier. And then there's also all the other fun stuff that goes with the other tiers. And remember, in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do, be good.